This is Hawaii Rising, a podcast from the Hawaii People's Fund. I'm Suyuno Amos. I'm Kenji Cataldo. Our guest today is Trina Nam Mio from the Grassroots Community Development Group, or GCDG. GCDG has been a 501c3 since 2005 and is best known for its award-winning program KL Youth Business Center, now Hawaii Youth Business Center, which piloted an innovative hands-on skills-building curriculum in music and sound recording, digital arts, and culinary arts. The reach of GCDG's project, Mo'opo'ai Kupuna Nawe Opio, is twofold. The kupuna component develops capacity in communities on Hawaii Island to learn about the practice and application of ho'oku'u kaheva slash ho'oponopono ike to health and social services in their communities. The opio component supports media literacy classes in schools to increase social media proficiency while supporting social justice values in Hawaii Island youth. Here's our interview with Trina from last September. So today we're speaking with Trina from the Grassroots Community Development Group. And Trina, could you just introduce yourselves, yourself for us and um, tell us a little bit of background on how the Grassroots Community Development Group came to be? Sure. Uh, aloha, everybody. Um, my name is Trina Namio, and uh, I'm one of the founders and um, president of Grassroots Community Development Group. And I myself had to go back and look at our beginnings. And then I, I sort of said to myself, wow, we, we did have an auspicious beginning. So I'm going to just share some of that because, I, you know, it's been uh, almost 20 years now. And when we first started, and I forgot a lot of, our, of you know, why we started and the whole uh, evolution of, of the organization. So interesting enough, uh, you go back to 2001 and 9-11, and actually, so grassroots, and we call it GCDG, was born out of a crisis, and a, a direct response to community need. So what happened was a couple of professors and myself who teach at Hawaii Community College under the social science department started an innovative program called Learning Communities in which we team teach and around topics. <clears throat> and so since we're social scientists, we uh, all of us who were involved, and Dr. Noeli Rodriguez actually was instrumental also, and uh, in trying to get students directly involved in the community through community service and service learning types of things, which was uh, kind of early at that time, 20 years ago. Now it's very common, but it was kind of the inception of that idea of bringing the students to the community and the community to the college. So in 2001, we had a very interesting learning committee titled um, uh, Creating Communities for the New Millennium, because it was around the change of the millennium. 
and um, a couple weeks into the semester, 911 happened. And so instead of uh, going with our previous plan of, of um, what we had planned around the millennium, we immediately problem solved the students. What can we do now because the, everyone, the nation and Hawaii included was in crisis. And so they said, let's do a town meeting on the future of the Big Island because everything was crashing. The economy is crashing. Some of the students knew people who died uh, in, in, you know, in New York. And so we created a, a town meeting which brought together about 300 people, community leaders, um, students, faculty to the college. And we had problem solving groups around the major issues that we're facing in this crisis. So uh, uh, interesting enough, out of that was born the idea of having a meeting, one of the groups in KL, in Pune, um, around some of the problems we were having with meth at that time. It was at uh, epidemic proportions. So from that town meeting, so. We have the learning community in 2001, and then the students start to be involved in community me meetings with Mayor Harry Kim, and, and they were having ICE summits at that time from 2002 to 2003. And then <clears throat> in um, 2003, we had a meeting at the old KL Middle School um, facility, which is just like a, a termite-eaten building in the, uh, on the edge of uh, KL. And, uh, you know, the termites are basically holding hands. But anyway, we had uh, students, same thing, a uh, really wonderful mix of community leaders, students, faculty. And uh, that was when the idea of a community center was born. And then the following year, we started a the first after school program in KL because of the ice epidemic. So, and we got a $50,000 uh, Department of Justice meth grant to start the program. And that's, that's the inception of uh, what later became Grassroots Community Development Group. So from that small after school program, which we hired students to be the workers in the program who had, who had been involved in the town meeting, et cetera, uh, I then got a huge HUD grant in 2005 uh, for $800,000 to start a youth center, um, which was building on there not being any services or programs for youth in Pune, you know, and Pune had like the worst social you know, social statistics, suicide, mental health, everything was the worst in the state in Pune. So this was a direct response to these pressing issues to help our community and especially our youth to, um, you know, from, from disintegration basically, because families were falling apart because of ice, et cetera. So um, the youth center, we, partnered with Cal High School and started the first middle college 
program in the state, which is we took at-risk teens at the high school, the ones that were really falling off the page, and we brought them to this renovated center, which had the state-of-the-art sound recording studio, state-of-the-art multimedia lab, and a mobile kitchen tra trailer. And these skill building areas were ones that the youth themselves chose to, uh, they wanted to learn. So again, our uh, fundamental philosophy has been that we are youth driven, that our programs are youth driven. And <clears throat> so that was a really successful program because we did take kids who were basically uh, on the verge of dropping out of high school. And with the middle college program, which we partnered with the high school and the, and the university, they earned 12 college credits as seniors in high school. And uh, we had some amazing turnarounds. And again, was very inspirational to me to work with the high school population for the first time in my teaching career. And, you know, again, it was, it was one of the richest experiences of my life because I walked in there, they're swearing at me, <laughs> and I'm like, wow, oh, this is different. <laughs> and, uh, you know, but we got close to the kids because all they wanted was connection, which they weren't getting in, um, you know, in the high school. They're, you know, they were throwaway kids. You know, a lot of them were put in special ed for no reason, you know, if they were hard to handle or whatever. And, um, you know, we had one kid who had a 0.6 GPA, and then uh, he joined our program and he got a 3.6, graduated from high school and got a 4.0 at the community college. So, you know, it was, it was stories like that that kept us going. Now, that's probably longer answer than you wanted, but I think it, you know, it probably answers a bunch of other questions in terms of, um, you know, what inspires us, at, you know, why we kept going as an organization. Um, because we had to move out of the physical facility uh, in Cal uh, Shopping Center in 2012 because the, um, the landlord, Watamo from Honolulu, wanted to, um, you know, raise the rent on us. So we had to um, dismantle the sound recording studio, sell the mobile kitchen tra trailer, and then we moved to Pahoa and started two local restaurants. So, you know, so we really kind of gone out of the box to address community needs. So uh, that's the long answer to your question. <laughs> yeah, thank you so much for sharing all of that history and some of those inspirational stories. Um, could you give us a sense of what uh, GCDG is up to now? Like, what are your main areas of programming? And also some of the other, um, the other people who are involved in this work. So, uh, so like I said, we had to move out of the, the um, physical facility in Kale, which is now coffee, bean, and tea, <laughs> um, you know, which was kind of a heartbreaker for us. But anyway, to move on, we, for a couple of years, um, rented, uh, we renovated the old Kentucky Fried Chicken in Pahoa. And, uh, and incubated two 
very good local chefs. So that was kind of um, because of the food, the food part of our curriculum. You know, we didn't have the mobile kitchen anymore. We, we made a certified kitchen so people could come in and, you know, um, rent hours from us. So we kind of went in that direction for a couple of years. And then, uh, again, the cost of maintaining a restaurant, you know, like the, um, the power was so exorbitant that we had to, you know, move out of there. And we partnered with uh, uh, Church of Assure Foundation because they offered us free rent to set up our computers. So we continued to uh, try and do our um, multimedia curriculum after school, et cetera. But it was hard because we were not, now, not on the main drag where, you know, Kale Town Center was. It was a mile from the high school. Kids could walk to us. You know, we were very accessible. So then <clears throat> it was at that point we contemplating shutting down because we said, OK, you know, we really don't have a viable facility. So we moved to my house. <laughs> and then uh, and then, you know, we're thinking about, OK, you know, we should, but everyone kept calling us and saying, "Will you be our fiscal sponsor? Will you, you know, uh, we don't have our five one." And so we kind of went, you know, we kind of shook our heads and said, "Well, I think the universe and Akua is telling us we still have a function, even though we don't have a facility." So, you know, being grassroots community development group, we continued to support the organizations that came to us. So. Uh, one program we did continue in the schools was a media literacy program. So we would partner with DOE teachers and do a whole curriculum around um, <clears throat> social media and the dangers of social media and uh, the things that they actually don't have in the, the regular school curriculum. I'm hearing that now they're thinking about doing it. So that's a good thing. So we've always been kind of ahead of the, the social curve and trying to serve, fill in the needs that uh, need to be filled. And then around, oh, very recently, we've started two programs um, that have really been um, very uh, inspirational to our organization uh, in, in terms of filling the need uh, for the youth. And, and one is, um, the Ola'a Skate Park. So in 2018, we took an abandoned tennis court. It must have been abandoned for like 10 years in, in Curtistown Park. And um, this was largely through the vision of my son, who is a skater. And he said, there's no facilities. You know, Hilo, people had been trying for years to get a skate park in Hilo, and they just ran into all kinds of barriers. Um, they built one in Volcano. But he said, and he, he used to go to that one, but he said, um, I want something closer to home. So Curtis Town Park was five minutes from our house. And so he, de he designed it with a group of uh, his, his um, friends, uh, skaters. And uh, we got county funding starting in 2018. And so we built, built it out in the next two years. And now it's, it's widely used. Um, it's the only street style skate park on the island. So um, it's, it's very accessible to any level of skater from beginning to more advanced. And so we use it kind of as a mentoring tool. The more, ex more experienced skaters kind of mentor the kids and to uh, 
kind of increase the bonding to the community. So we're in phase two of that project now, which is uh, kind of exciting because I've been working with um, people who are looking at art on the Big Island. And it's our goal is to make it an aesthetic park besides being a skate facility. So families can go there, you know, and um, there might be sculptures there and <clears throat> like um, granite benches so that it's visually inviting for families to use it. So that's our vision to kind of be the model for that. And it's, it, we really did it on a really uh, shoestring budget. So we also want to show other communities that you don't have to have a lot of funding. So we did it for 25K, which is, which is uh, you know, small for a skate park. And uh, the next, and then we're, we're seeking funding for the second phase in which we took down a 12 foot fence in the back and there's a hill there. And we're gonna landscape it, put plants, have seating for families. So again, incorporating more of this community um, bonding for families. And it's been gratifying because before we did the skate park, it was turning into a drug hangout and that's why our community was concerned. So that, um, you know, there are a lot of people just, <laughs> you know, doing drugs, using it as a, a drug selling place. So now that element has kind of moved on because they see a lot of healthy activity, which they don't like. They don't like to be visible. And so that's worked well in terms of, again, our, our um, philosophy of improving the community for families. And then uh, the second program I want to mention, which we started just two years ago, is uh, it's a uh, Ho'oponopono, and we have one, uh, interesting enough, one of the um, uh, uh, returning student to HCC who helped us start Ola Community Center 20 years ago is now one of the most um, um, acknowledged kumus in uh, Ho'oponopono in the state. And that's because she was trained by Auntie Ulu Garman uh, who is the older sister of the Kanako Oli sisters, the Hula sisters. And she did pass away several years ago, but she had tapped La Hela Cruz, who, again, was with our organization from the time she was a returning student to HCC, got her BA, got her uh, master's in social work, and now works at Bay Clinic. But uh, she, again, has become one of the most sought after Ho'oponopono practitioners. So we, in this program, we run free community classes for, uh, first we started for community people and a lot of uh, human service workers, social workers, and other kinds of uh, people involved with the community take that class and they integrated into using a Hawaiian perspective to healing. So that's kind of been another um, development that is new for us and because it involves uh, older people rather than the younger people. But the whole cycle is what we're emphasizing so that they pass it on to their family members and, uh, and that the, the Hawaiian um, 
protocols and practices start to be revived, and that's what's happening, and uh, utilized for everybody, not only Hawaiians. And so in that is also um, working with organizations who do sustainability and feeding product projects. So the other thing that, like I said, has really increased is organizations who are in like food to table education and um, um, reviving fish ponds, et cetera, have asked us to umbrella them. So, um, so the other project that you probably uh, interviewed Loki, I'm not sure if you interviewed her, but she's one of the um, local IA projects that we're umbrelling. And then a big one we're umbrelling is called Aina University. And um, they're getting a lot of funding from Kamehameha Schools Outreach. And they do programs for school age program, bringing them to their land and showing them how to cultivate um, food and mo mostly Hawaiian uh, staples like uwala and you know um, taro. It's things that um, make up the traditional Hawaiian diet. So, um, and then the other one we umbrellaed just recently, in fact, yesterday, <laughs> very recent, was the eighth annual All Nations Powwow. So they needed a fiscal sponsor. And so um, they just successfully completed two days of their um, powwow, bringing um, Native Americans from Canada, all over Canada, U.S., to, um, you know, collaborate with their cultural practices and dances. So that, that was... That's kind of where we're at now. It's great that you're, it feels like you're very proactive in like creating um, public programming for your community and, and just things to be engaged in all of the time, which is really cool. Um, I wonder, you know, you mentioned a little bit about like specific stories of, of students in that original program who, you know, were successful Um but I am curious if you have a sense of like the wider um, shifts in the community that you've seen over the time that you've been doing this work. Well, again, uh, because of COVID, there have been a lot of challenges. And I think that's one reason why we really advocated for the skate park, because there were very few healthy physical activities for youth and and families. And so we found that was filling a need. So, you know, the whole COVID economic challenges, uh, I think we have seen that shift, but we've also, on the other hand, seen this real interest in reviving Hawaiian practices. And um, so which I think we've um, gone along with that trend to really uh, embrace the host culture's practices because it fits with the environment and to be sustainable. We're trying to advocate for that. And so that seems to be a, you know, a real shift. Um, and uh, just a recent case of the girl who was kidnapped on our island and the Amber Alert went out and everyone was amazed how the community 
mobilized and uh, he was caught and the girl was rescued the day later. And everyone had a sense that, um, wow, you know, our community is still um, bonded and they're, and they're active. They, you know, I had friends whose children joined the search party, you know, and it, so it was really um, gratifying to see we still have that community bond uh, on our island, at, you know, because of all the social media and all this kind of other input, false <laughs> false uh, news and all this, it's sort of disturbing. So to have this incident and see that the community, even the youth are still uh, engaged in wanting to help each and support each other was, was again, very um, gratifying and something I didn't expect because we saw it happen in the 2018 eruption when we started to have our own hubs and it, and the hub the community hubs were doing more than the government I mean you know not to be <laughs> so critical but you know everyone was amazed that like the uh, more was happening at those centers than like at the Red Cross and the sort of the usual places where you expect to get uh, help. So again, I think this whole push to become more community um, active is uh, something new. But I think mixed with that, we are seeing a lot of newcomers buying land here. And, it, and that's also a challenge because they don't hold the same values. So there's a real stretch uh, between what the community wants to reclaim and and uh, activate versus the other energy that's coming in. So I think um, how to balance that is going to be a challenge for our community. Yeah, thank you for lifting up those examples. Uh, I think really highlight just the importance of a community that is self-organized, that has those bonds and is able to rally in those moments of need. I'm really struck by, in, in all of everything you've shared so far, how responsive you are to community trends, to um, these needs. And it seems like kind of operating at multiple levels of your direct programming, but then also supporting other people's groups that are looking for a little additional support, whether that's as a fiscal sponsor or in other ways, and sort of kind of acting as a hub for all of these different community self-organizing. And I'm wondering if you could share unifying all of these things, you know, what is GCGG's vision um, in all of these different ways of responding to community needs and in kind of uplifting your community? If you could kind of sum it all up for, for us of what uh, GCDG's vision is. As I was um, going over some of the historical material we had about when we first started, you know, I came across this brochure that was made at the very beginning when we started Olao Community Center, you know, it's just this little three, you know, really um, modest little brochure. And the mission at that time, you know, in 2003, which we had created with our uh, initial board members, which a lot of them were, were faculty at Hawaii CC because we had done that collaborative uh, learning community, but is to strengthen our communities 
through the cooperative development of programs and services for all of Pune. And then I realized we have not changed that mission. We're still doing it. And uh, the collaboration is was important then and it still is. And so that idea of raising everyone up so that we can help each other is a, is a big part of our vision. But, you know, we, you know, to, uh, to honestly speak about it, we really have not done any like strategic planning or, <laughs> you know, when I think about it, we've always just kind of, at, you know, up to this point, I don't know if it's going to change, just rallied when we saw a need. So I don't know, that seems to have served us um, up into this point. So we don't, we're not big on, you know, like talking a lot. <laughs> so like having these fancy uh, strategic planning, because I've been to a lot of those having worked at the community college and not much comes of them. And so I think you could say we're action oriented. You know, we want to do and create uh, rather than talk about it. So when we see something happening, you know, respond. I think that's uh, more of a, you know, a local style. Does Grassroots Community Development Group have any big dreams for the future or a vision for the future of your community? You know, I, I don't think that, uh, you know, I would put it in the category of big dreams. <laughs> You know, but just having a healthy community where people continue to care about each other, you know, kind of, and also uh, uh, cultivate sustainable practices because, again, the, the uh, pressure of um, uh, surviving are getting more and more challenging. So, you know, food co-ops and people, you know, people are more sharing food. And I like there's a micro grant program that the ag uh, department just put out. And I thought that's excellent. They're giving individual families, you know, $5,000 grants to um, to grow their own food and then uh, distribute it to their communities. Programs like that are, I think, there are more of that. That can really help. And... Uh, you know, so I was impressed that they were supporting the individual families to do this kind of sharing, you know, whereas a lot of times you're kind of forced to be in a, a larger arena than you really want to be. You know, we need the food banks and things like that, but it's just like individual families and people uh, picking up more sustainable practices and, and then uh, multiplying by their contact with others. I think is kind of our vision. You know, it's kind of a, 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 a simple vision, but uh, I think it's necessary for for the community, you know, to thrive. And so, uh, for example, our uh, it's Ho'oku'u Kaheva slash Ho'oponopono. We've kind of um, uh, taken up Auntie Ulu's philosophy that you have to start with the uh, the individual first before you move to families. And so that's the difference between our program and say maybe others. Uh, but they, uh, through your Hawaii People's Fund grant are taking that program to Ka'u in person. So we're really thrilled about that. And then we wanna go to Kohala 
you know, so the more out of the way communities, we want to reach them. And they're, they're really excited, you know, to have that kind of opportunity. Because again, you know, everything tends to be either Kona or Hilo based. Yeah. So just spreading it out further to our more outlying areas is a vision of ours. Can you share more what that program will look like? Oh, so we just have a trainer, which is Lahela Cruz, and then she goes and either monthly or bi-monthly has a class. It's just a class in which she um, uh, teaches, again, um, the principles. And a lot is based on uh, not only anti-Ulu's um, uh, approach because she was very, she, you know, she didn't write a lot. So it's all oral. It's all orally transmitted. But uh, the Padlina ones who are on Oahu and very well known for Ho'oponopono, uh, they've written in Nana Ike Kumu 3. So we refer to that text also. And uh, it's just sharing those uh protocols and principles, but then integrating it into your life and practice. And the most important thing is practicing it in your family. So it's a lot of values, uh, Hawaiian. And, um, you know, the, the saying is, do the hana, do the work, and the ike, the knowledge follows. So again, it's very practice-oriented. You have to, um, you know, uh, one of the principles is koho ia, which is the absolute truth. So trying to live by that principle is really challenging. <laughs> and so the practice of that and sharing and supporting each other in the cohort, because we have cohorts now that have uh, been in Hilo, Kona, Puna, and now we're going to Kau. So again, just kind of the drop in the water, spreading out <laughs> is our is our maybe the image you can, um, you know, uh, see as our, as our philosophy, actually, you know, starting small and then uh, affecting as it ripples, the ripples affect, yeah, greater circles. What is the best way for anyone listening to this who might be interested in getting involved or just staying in touch with the work that you're doing? How can they stay in contact or, or plug into your work? Yes, yeah, so we do have a website. Again, very simple, gcdghawaii.org. And there's a contact. Uh, people can send us if they're interested or want to donate. Um, also, you know, my... Email is a, is a good source. So um, Namio, N-A-H-M-M-I-J-O at Hawaii, spelled out, dot E-D-U. And you can always contact me. But uh, yes, Kaikea was instrumental in updating our, our website. So, that, so this is the kind of thing that uh, we're going to need help with when she leaves. Awesome. Thank you for sharing that information for how people can plug in. Um, you know, this is in a slightly different direction, but I've just been thinking about all of the things you've shared. And I'm wondering, I think you've already given us a sense of this, but your thoughts on what the words community and development mean. 
Yeah. Um, those are uh, hard to not sound cliche, yeah? Um, I think oh, oh, a little ironic fact is that our GCDG actually never had an organizational logo for all this time. <laughs> we had programs like our youth business center had a program that was designed by a kid. Otla Community Center had their own, you know, logo. And, the, and so this year we're like struggling to uh, find an appropriate logo for GCDG because we, like I said, we never had an overall one. And uh, this morning, I, we, when we were at Ola Akami Center, we had the symbol of a kupu kupu fern that breaks out of the lava. You know, it's the first thing that grows out of the lava. So it's a fragile greenery that has the strength and persistence to um, break through hard rock. So that's kind of been our metaphor community development that, um, you know, they belong together, the Pohaku and the, the Lao, the green, and the rock is so um, tough, you know, and the leaf is so fragile. And it's kind of in that um, reciprocation that they both um, support each other, you know, they need each other. So I think that's kind of my definition of uh, community. And then the development part is um, in thinking about this logo, I wanted a new shoot, which would be Keiki, a medium um, fern, which would be the Makua, the adult, and then the a larger fern, which would be the Kapuna, you know, the three levels. And so for me, that's what development is, is this cyclical process of the older feeding the younger and the younger feeding the older. And it's, again, it's like the water cycle, you know, that to thrive, you need all and that uh, you honor all. Uh, each has their own unique energy, but it, uh, it adds to the full picture, which is to me the development is the full picture, the full family, you know, all ages. So when we think of community, it's multi-generational. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that image. That's, yeah, that's a very different way. I think of thinking about development than how I've often heard it used in this kind of Western mindset of this linear, you know, sort of capitalistic development. I really like that image. Right. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for making the time to speak with us today. This has been a really great conversation. We appreciate it. Thank you. Talk to you later. Yeah, thank you so much. <laughs> okay, bye-bye. Hawaii Rising is a podcast from the Hawaii People's Fund produced by me. And me. With additional support from... Mickey! Our theme music is Revolutionary from the band Ukla the Mock. Written and sung by Mickey Hui Hui. A big thank you to our community supporters and to you, our audience, for listening. Ahui ho!